Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. To our first week of playoff edition podcasting. Um, with that said, Harley, I'd rather not talk about the playoffs. Playoffs? What are you talking about? Playoffs? Playoffs? Yeah, I had. A- well, well, realistically, uh, did at the start of the year we didn't know if we were going to see the playoffs. <laughs> that is true. So I guess that's a win, right? I, I definitely look. It is so close to looking like the whole thing's just going to implode, um, but that's not happening right now. So. It is what it is, um, you know, and we just... What, what's really amazing is that, so when the uh, season begun, uh, we were still uh, looking at situations where the NBA was still playing out their playoff bubble, Yep. and now we are literally less than a week away from the first preseason games for the NBA. Yeah, but I mean, I, I was not on the side of, I really thought that it was going to be difficult for the NFL to get a full season in. I didn't know that they even shouldn't be doing it. I still don't know that they should be doing it or not. So the fact that we're here says something. But, man, they have they have pushed the sweater to its limits before it starts to unravel. That's all I'll say. And uh, It's sort of nice to see 20,000 in attendance at Arrowhead yesterday, though. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so from, from a COVID standpoint, it decimated some of my teams and just from a normal. Oh God, it's been, it's been one of the craziest years. And, and not only from just a health of your fantasy teams, but a mental standpoint for your fantasy analysts and writers. I mean, geez, yeah. how many times this year do I have to change articles on the last day just because a game was moved somewhere else? Yeah. What, what's the saying? Fantasy is 50% luck, 50% luck or something like that. If ever there was a year that that actually meant something, I mean, this, cause look, you do your research and do your you know do your diligence, but at the end of the day, with as many people that wind up you know getting knocked out because of COVID, and you can only get to the waiver wire in some leagues at specific times, and everybody doesn't have first come first serve. If ever there was a year for first come first serve, if your league didn't have it, this would be the year. But in any event, I'm just you know wallowing in pity of drafting Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, you know guys like that. You mean guys that we might talk about a little bit later on our show today when we go through our way too early top tens at each position? Yes, that is what we will be doing today. We're going to have two segments, um, of course, our normal DFS segment, and then we're going to have a segment on our, as Harley says, too early top tens at quarterback and running back. Next week, we will do our wide receiver and tight ends. But before we do any of that, I'm going to throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. After giving up a last-minute game-losing touchdown to the Las Vegas Raiders, the Jets released defensive coordinator Greg Williams on Monday morning. Now, trust me, there are a million reasons to fire Greg Williams, but helping the Jets lose a game when they are obviously in tank mode shouldn't be one of them. (laughs) Carson Wentz was benched Sunday for Jalen Hurts, as he continued his struggles under pressure in the pocket. We attempted to interview any of the Eagles' wide receivers regarding the quarterback change, but none could get open to respond. (laughs) The Panthers placed both DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel on the COVID list Monday morning, so I guess everyone knows who is going to catch Teddy Bridgewater's one TD pass next week. That'd be Robbie Anderson. Colt McCoy led the New York Giants to a surprise victory over Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. This, of course, proves that 2020 is not going away quietly. (laughs) And finally, Christian McCaffrey is expected to return this week just in time for your fantasy playoffs that you didn't qualify for. This has been your BPN News Update. You know, and I've... I'm sure the people that listen weekly get tired of me saying this, but we don't discuss some of these things beforehand. Um, so the fact that I was railing about, you know, having drafted McCaffrey and Barkley, 
in the same league, actually, in one on one team. Um, it was an auction. Yeah, that one burned, man. That burned. <laughs> well, and again, if you leave your draft with McCaffrey and Barkley, and again, it has to be in an auction. That's never going to happen in a draft. But if you leave your auction with both of those guys, you're clearly taking on a stars and scrubs approach to your team. And realistically, there there should be no way that you lose at this because you're 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 digging your scrubs from positions where there's lots and lots of players available, like quarterback up or yeah. wide receiver, no, or tight end. Yeah, okay, never mind. <laughs> it should have been a winning strategy this year. It with, should have with, been <laughs> with as deep as everybody had to go in the you know to fill some positions here. Anyway. Um, well, let's just get right down to it. You know how much I love talking quarterback. I mean, I love talking quarterback. This was really a, a rough exercise here to, to come up with my top 10 dynasty quarterbacks uh, going into next season. Uh, and I, I would like to preface this by saying that there's a lot of quarterbacks in this league right now that from a dynasty standpoint, I really don't want my team yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, it, it got down to numbers like 10, 11, 12 range, and uh, I'm doing my rankings, and I'm like, geez, I don't really want him, and do I really think he's got more in his tank? Has he got more than one or two more years left? I mean, it was, it was kind of ugly. Yep. So how many are we going to match on? I think uh, we're going to have um, – well, let, me, let me do we're, this. We're both going to have, we're both gonna have eight. Of the same players, I think. We're going to have eight overall. How many are we going to have? I think have we're going to have... Go ahead, same spot. Three in the same spot. Three in the same spot. I'm going to take the under on three. I'm going to take the under on the eight also. Okay. So let's kick it off. Um, it should be easy, but I don't think it was. Who is the top quarterback for you uh it's going to be casey's own patrick mahomes he's got the long-term contract under under his belt Uh, he's got his weapons locked up for the next couple years as well no reason to think that uh, mahomes doesn't continue on as the best quarterback in football going into next season so yeah um we don't match there but it was close i actually had him as 1a 1b and the reason for having this player above him is it's just it's it's minute but i think that he he winds up needing to be in a few more shootouts over the years and he's just become such a good chef that when he cooks it goes well so i've got russ wilson at number one and and i have russell wilson at number two so that's pretty uh pretty clear there i mean you mentioned they're one a and one b i i think they're clearly one a and one b in any dynasty format uh the main reason i went pat mccombs over russell wilson is the age difference I could see that, but I usually don't look past two to three years anyway in Dynasty, especially a quarterback. I don't care. Exactly. Um, and Pat is my number two. Okay. I'm going to give you my three and four right now. Okay. Uh, at three, I chose Deshaun Watson. I mean, let's face it. Who needs Will Fuller? Deshaun Watson is making no-name wide receivers effective now that Bill O'Brien is out of the scheme. Uh, I think that was the big thing for him the last couple of years is that Bill O'Brien was holding him back in terms of what he could do with that offense. Now, obviously, they lost DeAndre Hopkins. That was a huge blow. But they took, like I said, perennially injured Will Fuller, perennially concussed Brandon Cooks, and turned them into superstars there this year. Deshaun Watson's my three. At four, I'm taking the returning Dak Prescott. When you look at a team that's got weapons like Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, uh, C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Dalton Schultz in the passing game, uh, Blake Jarwin returning next year. And finally, his offensive line is going to be healthy next year, too. That's a lot of tools for Mr. Prescott to have on his side, assuming he fully returns from his injury. It sounds like he is well on his way for that. So two of those guys, yes, I have them in my ranks. Um, We did not match positions on them, though. And honestly, the next four in this range, so we did two, three, four, five, and six. I felt like you could have done any combination of those and not really been wrong. So I'll give you my four, five, three, four, five, and six, and then you can follow up with your five and six. How's that? 
Sounds I, good. I have Dak at three. Um, I have Josh Allen at four. And then I have Deshaun Watson at five. And then I've got a guy who regressed a little this year that I expect that we will see be a slight value for those that still kind of enter the quarterback waters too early for my taste, but Lamar Jackson. Okay, well, Lamar Jackson did make my top 10. He is not in my top six. Uh, behind Deshaun and Dak, uh, I did have Josh Allen. I had Josh Allen at six. And at five, I've got the younger, more talented version of Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. You look at Kyler Murray, he's got Lamar Jackson's legs, but he also has an actual cast of wide receivers that can both catch the ball and that he can throw the ball to. And he's got a coach that's not afraid to let his quarterback actually throw the ball. I don't disagree with that. Kyler is in my top 10. He just was not in the top six. Okay. Uh, for me, at seven and eight. At seven, I've got the veteran Aaron Rodgers. Drafting Mr. Love was a true wake-up call for Rodgers, and he's giving a true kiss-off tour for Green Bay right now. I personally am looking forward to two years from now when he signs the contract to play for the Minnesota Vikings. Imagine him paired with Justin Jefferson in his twilight. Mm, that's, that's kind of interesting. Okay, um, so you gave seven and eight. My seven is... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't give you, I didn't give you eight. That was oh. my number seven. Then. Okay. My number eight is one of the rookies from this year, Justin Herbert. Now, it's clear that he needs another solid wide receiver opposite Keenan Allen, and I think they will address that this year. Mike Williams is just a guy. I'm sorry. I know he's tall. I know he likes to play outside. But there's nothing exciting about Mike Williams. Now, also, they're going to likely lose Hunter Henry this offseason. It sure looked like Bill Belichick was recruiting him this past weekend in the post-game show. Uh, even if Henry doesn't go to New England, it, it's almost writing on the wall that he's gone someplace this offseason. Now, they do have the XFL superstar Donald Parham uh, as a potential replacement for him. I think that he's a great touchdown asset for next season. But they are going to have to address that tight end position in addition to the second wide receiver position this offseason, I'm pretty sure. But Herbert still all the talent in the world. He can run the ball. He can throw the ball anywhere on the field from anywhere on the field. He's got an arm that rivals Mahomes. I really like Herbert a lot, and that's why he's in my top eight. Okay. So number seven, I have Kyler Murray. Then at number eight, I have Rodgers. And you know what? It was. I could see Rodgers in a dynasty format anywhere from – four or five down to 10 or 12, honestly, because if you can get a couple years out of a quarterback that gives you that kind of production, you can make an argument for it. Um, then at nine and 10, I debated between, is it Herbert or is it Burrow? Is it Burrow or is it Herbert? And has somebody else I want to put in my top 10? Partially to be, I don't know. Um, what's the word I want? Contrarian? Nah, yeah, kind of. That I guess you could say that. In any event, um, I have Herbert at nine. Nope, I crossed it out. I put Burrow at nine. And then it comes down to Herbert and another veteran that I think is going to be at a different spot. Okay? And this is where I just I have to say it. Carson Wentz is top ten. <laughs> Because I believe he winds up in Indianapolis with Frank Reich and his career is resurrected. They have some talent there. They've got a running back. They've got a nice wide receiver group there for him. Carson Wentz over Herbert because I expect that we could see Herbert struggle next year with a regime change because I think that happens. As oh, well, Anthony Allen is gone at the end of the year. There's no denying that. As well as with, like, like you said, outside of Keenan Allen, what else is going to be there for him? Um, or Mike Williams of Keenan Allen happens to get traded or walk. Well, much like our DFS segment and our news segment, we don't discuss things prior to the uh, prior to our segments that we record here each Monday night. Uh, so at nine, I had Lamar Jackson, who we talked a little bit about. Uh, if he can ever find himself a second reliable target outside of Mike, Mark Andrews, he should move back up the list. But right now, he doesn't have that. And at 10, I put the other rookie, Joe Burrow. 
Uh, he's coming back from a very, very major injury, so we'll see how quickly he can come back next season. He also plays in a tough division, yeah. but that didn't slow him down this year. In his divisional games, he actually still put up big numbers. But he has so much talent at the wide receiver position to throw to uh, that he is really set up to succeed if he can come back fully healthy. Uh, but you mentioned Carson Wentz. And here is my exact notes. Uh, I, I ranked uh, a players 11 and 12 just for the fun of it here at each position too. My number 11 ranked player was whichever quarterback ends up in Indianapolis next year. And I put right next to that parentheses, Wentz. <laughs> right. He's got Pittman. He's got Paris Campbell. He's got T.Y. He's got Hines out of the backfield. He's got Taylor out of the backfield. Plus, that's arguably the best offensive line in football. Oh, my God. <laughs> if Wentz ends up there, it's going to be completely apples and oranges to what he's had to deal with the last year and a half in Philadelphia. And, and let's say he doesn't end up there. Let's say they draft a a rookie or they sign another free agent like an Andy Dalton or someone like that. Whoever ends up in Indianapolis is being set up to succeed. So that player is my number 11 ranked quarterback. And number 12 on my list, just for fun, is the rookie Trevor Lawrence. Because the New York Jets, who, thanks to Greg Williams uh, deciding to ignore the defense on the final play there, have the number one pick. And they've got a lot of passing weapons that Trevor Lawrence can throw to. Guys like Rashad Perriman and Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder. That's a lot of weapons that are work with for him in the passing game right away, too. Assuming they get rid of Adam Gase. Gotcha. So, no spot for Tua, huh? I, You know, I'm concerned. What I've seen of Tua so far this season reminds me a lot of what we saw of Josh Rosen in his first season in Arizona. Reminds me a little bit of what we've seen from Dwayne Haskins his first season. And right now, in the NFL, quarterbacks that don't quite get it in their first season, have very, very short leashes in that second season. Now, could Tua change things next year? One would hope. Uh, he'll certainly, uh, assuming he'll get his number two receiver, Preston Williams, back, that'll certainly help, and he'll have a little bit more time there. But right now, I mean, the, the fans in Miami are even clamoring for Ryan Fitzpatrick to play over him. Yeah, just because they give a better chance to win right now, and I'm saying that as Tua is unbeaten as a as a starter. Hey, let, let's get into this real quick. We we record on Monday nights while the games are going on, and currently there's 21 seconds left in the Pittsburgh game. Washington is up three. Pittsburgh has no timeouts. They are on, I think, around the Washington 35 yard line, roughly. <sighs> They're lining up to kick field goal to go up by six, and Roughly, probably 15. Actually, they've made the field goal now, so 17 seconds left. Do you kick that field goal there? I don't think I do. I think I, I pooch punt it, and I try to just get it inside the 10-ish, 15-ish yard line. I know I don't care if I make 15, 20 yards. One, you're now forcing Pittsburgh to go for a field goal to tie, but then there's right, roughly still about that same 15 to 17 seconds left, and they have no timeouts. Well, so there's one reason why I agree with you there, definitely. And it's a reason that you might not have thought about. And that is that Chris Boswell is out for this game. Yeah, no, I was going to get yes. a rookie kicker in there yes. who doesn't have that experience of, of the pressure of a prime time. And this isn't quite prime time, but it's it's 7 o'clock on a Monday central, 8 o'clock no. uh, Eastern. Absolutely. So it is still technically prime time. But yeah, he, he's not dealt with that pressure of kicking in a potential game tying situation so i can totally agree with what you're saying there uh either way though a 17 seconds uh it's going to take a heave and a prayer from ben to get the ball yeah. into kicking range for this rookie uh wherever yeah. they take the ball over but with the way that and i think they should squib this i hope i'm not sure if they will but i think they should squib it they, they kicked it off and they kicked it through the end zone so yeah, that, It'll be a ball at the 25, I, I believe. I don't agree with that either. Why not at least make him try to return it and run off at least three, four seconds? Five I seconds. totally agree with that, yes. Um, that just That's horrible game management, in my opinion. Even if they win, um, even if Washington wins, I still think that's just horrible game management right there. You're playing to lose this game with how you just set up the game script, quite honestly. Okay. Enough of that. We'll try to watch that with our left eye as we continue on, and Let's start talking running backs. I mean, I think I think this game's a great game that would make us want to think about running backs, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> neither, neither running back did anything. One got hurt 
got knocked out in the first uh, series of the game, second series of the game, and the other one has been completely neutered by the fact that Pittsburgh refuses to run the ball. Yeah, I think they've had like maybe twenty rushes combined between both teams. Okay, so at the running back position, uh, how many matches did we have at the quarterback position? Um, well, we had definitely under three on the exact spots, and we easily had the over because I think the only person we had different was Wentz. Yes. Okay. So at the running back position. So we were at nine. Go ahead. I have us with. I have us with eight again for a total. And I have us matching on two. I'll take. Actually, I'll take match on three. Oh, that just changes things. (laughs) Washington just won the game. Looked like they completed a long pass, did not have enough time to get up there and spike the ball. Well, and again, you talked about it a little bit on Twitter this weekend that uh, Pittsburgh is the uh, worst 11-0 and team in football this year. Yes, that's exactly what I said. They might be the worst 11-0 football team in the last decade. I, I would dare to argue that. <laughs> yeah, see, I was just trying to troll, quite honestly. I, I know you're, you are definitely trolling, and my comment is kind of trolling, but it's, it's kind of true. See, but I was trolling, but my answer was <laughs> factual. Exactly. Because they were the only 11 only 0 11 team. 0 team. And you know some people took it hook, line, and sinker, quite honestly. Um, oh, of course. The, Rock, the Washington football team defeats the 11-0 and Steelers in week 13. Okay. I know my wife's going to be very happy about that. Cause As a Chiefs fan, I'm very happy about that. That Yeah, Chiefs fan. Because the first, the first place team is the only team to get a buy. that gets a bye this year Well, the new playoff format. My wife, as the Browns fan, you know she's happy because I laid out that there's actually a path. There's a path for the Browns to secure the two seed. They do have to win out. No small feat, right? Mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh had to lose three of their last four games. I wasn't counting this as one of those losses. I was counting a loss against the Browns, of course, because they have to win. They have to do their part against Tennessee. And is it Baltimore, maybe? Or are they done playing Baltimore this year? There was one other tough game that they had in there. Well, I think tonight's game will also have a little bit to say about that because Buffalo is also at 8-3 and three right now. Yes. Let me see if I can see this real quick here before we get into the running backs. Indianapolis. I had them losing in Indianapolis also. Which the Colts are going to be pressed to, to make sure that they win. So, yeah. I mean, I would this, like to add, though, quickly mention off topic here. We mentioned Indianapolis. Yeah. It's amazing what a difference DeForest Buckner makes for Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. He's a heck of a, he's a, heck of a defensive player. I'm not even just going to say he's a heck of a defensive lineman. He's a heck of a defensive player. Um, all right. So you're setting it at three and eight. Yes. Same as the quarterback position. There's no winning bet on the three. It's going to push at best. It's not mm-hmm. going over, so I have to take the under and just hope that I'm right. Um, I'm going to take the over on the eight. Okay. All right. Let's match right off the bat on the first two. Uh, the first two for me, uh, I think these two are borderline rotational now at this point. Uh, coming into the season, obviously, it was pretty clear who the number one was. I've gone ahead and listed him at the number one still, and that's Christian McCaffrey. There you go. Uh, he was injured far too much this season, but he remains the biggest dual threat back in all of football. Um, un- unless something crazy happens in Carolina, uh, they've got Bridgewater under contract. They've got P.J. Walker under contract. Neither one of them is really a deep downfield passer. They trade for uh, Taysom Hill. Th- then I might change my pick, yeah. Yeah, but for the short term, though, I mean, you have to like him at number one. And for me, that means number two is Minnesota's Delvin Cook. Uh, way, also way too many injuries, uh, although his have been short term and they've been scattered throughout his history. But he's the centerpiece of a Vikings offense that is run-oriented and that, frankly, is going to improve more next season when they're able to draft another offensive lineman in the first round. So, yes, we match exactly. I, I had McCaffrey followed by Cook. Now, my third, the guy I have third, if the majority of leagues weren't PPR, you possibly could have given him consideration at one, definitely at two. And it's Derrick Henry. And that's a health thing. Um, That's why I have him rated above my number four guy, which is Saquon Barkley. 
Well, we've already blasted the over for matches because that is also my 3-4 in that same order. Derrick Henry, run-oriented offense, anchored by a dominant head-first runner in Henry, uh, who gets better and better the more carries he gets in a game. Uh, again, passing offense, yes, it's improved this year. A.J. Brown has looked pretty good. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is still just a run-of-the-mill, middle-of-the-pack quarterback, though, so the offense goes through Derrick Henry. Uh, Saquon Barkley. The Giants' offensive line is making Wayne Gallman look like a pro bowler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Imagine what they're going to do when they get a, a true pass-catching, run-oriented back like Saquon Barkley, who can do both those things really, really well. Plus, it sounds like the Giants are going to be moving on from Evan Ingram, which means that more of those short passes uh, will go to Saquon Barkley, assuming he comes back again, again, fully healthy next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought. See, I thought there was a chance that we could run the first three, and then the rest of it I thought was a crapshoot, honestly. Especially with me having Barkley at four over Zeke, because I thought that you would possibly put Zeke or Kamara at, at four. Um, so that's where my house of cards fell apart with me taking the under. Um, anyway, so my number five and six. Um, I struggled with it because I feel like one of these guys should be higher. Like easily could be one. He could be two. He could be three. He could be four. And I'm not worried about injury with him. That's the part that stinks. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's my number six, number four, I, uh, number five, rather. I had to plug in Zeke just because you know, he's going to have a role, right? That's yep. going to come back. Everything should fall into place. They've got a lot of offense. He could seed some touches, et cetera, because you have C.D. Lamb there now, and the passing game might even go more so than they did, and maybe Tony Pollard gets worked in more. So that's why I don't have a problem with him at five. But you know what? If you get Zeke at five, you can be happy. In a, in a oh, court. definitely. Um, I have Alvin Kamara at six. And by the way, whenever we talk dynasty at the running back position, I barely look past two years. Like, it's hard to look past two years because three years is ancient for a running back sometimes, right? Yes. Um, I put Alvin Kamara at six because I don't know what's going to happen at quarterback. <clears throat> they may live with Taysom Hill next year. Well, and I think you hit on all the salient points. Those two are my five and six as well. However, I had them reversed. I do have Kamara at five and I have Zeke at six. And much like you said, it feels like either of those two guys could finish the season better than that. Yeah. I even put in my notes here for Kamara that if Taysom is the quarterback next season, I have him sliding down as far as 9 or 10. But if they start next season with Jameis Winston or someone else at quarterback, I could easily see Kamara finishing number one overall. And then when you get to Zeke, again, you were talking about Dak will be back. Obviously, that's going to help his offensive chances. The O-line, which has been completely depleted of talent due to injuries and due to COVID this year, is going to be better. And realistically, what we've seen the most Tony Pollard already this year that we're going to see at any given point in the future, too. And yes, there have been times that Pollard has looked better than Zeke. But we're not going to see more than we did this year. There's, there's zero chance that Zeke underproduces what he produced this year. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So now we're through six spots. This is where it gets dicey. Yes. In my opinion. Um, who do you have at seven and eight? I have two rookies at seven and eight. Okay. At seven, I've got one rookie who has just started to produce. And that's J.K. Dobbins. Both Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards are likely gone this offseason from Baltimore. Neither has guaranteed money on the books for next year. That means that all of the run usage in a run-heavy offense is going to fall to J.K. Dobbins, well, and Lamar Jackson. Uh, And at number eight, I've got a guy that was in the early game Monday night. He got hurt, didn't play a whole lot, and that's Antonio Gibson. He's already proven himself as a great two-way running back on a team that's still missing a few pieces on offense. They also have no true quarterback lined up for next season. So it should be a run for a run forth, a run featured offense again next season, unless they draft a quarterback high, which isn't likely if they keep winning games. So I like Antonio Gibson as my number eight quarterback going into next number eight quarterback, number eight running back going into next season. So we have a match at seven. Um, I have Dobbins there also. Um, yeah, and he's got top five plus upside, right? 
He just yeah, he really can catch does. the ball. He can run the ball. I mean, he's averaging nearly ten yards a touch right now. I mean, I'm, he could be he could be the next Alvin Kamara in a sense, right? That oh, that big time. Everything back. Um, but you have Lamar Lamar Jackson, who's going to steal some touches and some and some touchdowns. So that's why I pushed him down a little bit. Um, at seven, I'm sorry, at eight, I've got a guy that's just. He, you know, nobody goes crazy for him, but he just he keeps producing. Um, he's had some regression this year, which is understandable. Um, but I've got Aaron Jones at number eight. Okay. Uh, so, interesting on Aaron Jones. There are two running backs that did not make my top 12 or my top 10. And the only reason they didn't is because they're currently UFAs at the end of the season. One of those two is Aaron Jones, who, if he returns to the Packers, who also have Jamal Williams and this year's second round pick, uh, third round pick, A.J. Dillon, there, would be in my top 10. But because of the fact that he isn't under contract and because the Packers aren't known to spend a whole lot of money on free agents, if he was a restricted free agent, like in the basketball sense, maybe where they're like able to be like a poison pill contract or something for him, I'd understand that, but... I just don't know if Greenville will pay the money to keep him. And that, then, I mean, it depends where he goes. <laughs> I was going to say, that doesn't bother me, <laughs> actually. might make me feel better about him because, just like you said, Jamal Williams and, and A.J. Dillon. So I just think that the talent's there enough. He, he's good enough to be a guy that gets goal line carries. And I definitely want an earlier pick in drafts if I'm, if I'm drafting so that because running back's deep enough that you could possibly get another one of these guys coming back to you. Um, so I, the, to me, the spot that you don't want to be in is six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Quite honestly, um, yeah. And I, again, I, I think Dylan fits that mold for me. And the other uh, UFA that I'm avoiding out of my top ten just for that reason is Chris Carson yeah. in Seattle. The same situation. He's a UFA. Uh, they've got a lot of running backs on their roster that they can choose to kind of piecemeal with if they decide not to sign Carson. Uh, uh, Rashard Penny will be back. Uh, they've got Travis Homer, who's did well. They have this year's rookie DJ Dallas, who looked very good when he filled in earlier this year. And Carson, I mean, as good as he's been, he has been an injury risk during the course of his career. So how much money will they be willing to commit to him for a long-term contract? Exactly. So at nine, this guy seems like a steal at nine. But the reason he's at nine is because... He has another talented back working with him because if he did not, he'd easily be in my top three. Easily. And that's Nick Chubb. And then at 10, I struggled at, at 10. I went with multi, you know, multi-use guy versus somebody else that I think should be the man that's been a little injured and somebody else has been a little injured. I went with Austin Eckler, quite honestly. And I'm not sure that that's even who I want to go with there. We match perfectly at 9 and 10, ironically. <laughs> at 9, I put Nick Chubb for the exact same reason as you. I had him that low because of the fact that Kareem Hunt is there. Hunt is under contract. So as good as Chubb is and as good as Chubb will be, he's always going to be somewhat limited from his absolute ceiling by Hunt's presence. And at number 10, I chose Austin Eckler, much like you said, because Eckler is sort of a jack-of-all-trades. Uh even if they bring in additional backs, I mean, yes, they've used guys this year. They've used Justin Jackson. They've used Joshua Kelly. They used uh, the Miami cast-off guy that I can never remember the name of. <laughs> and every, every time that they do that, it still ultimately comes back to Austin Eckler. He's, he's more than a change of pace back. He's the type of back that you can play on a regular basis. He catches the ball. He had 16 targets two weeks ago. Justin Herbert obviously loves passing him the ball. And again, until they get a solid number two wide receiver opposite Ellen, yep. that solid number two wide receiver for Justin Herbert to throw to is Austin Eckler. It is. And just my biggest concern with him is his injury. And is does he fall in that realm of is less more? You know what I mean? To keep him mm -hmm. healthy. So, but look, guys, I struggled to try. I tried to get these guys in the top 10 <laughs> in no particular order. Joe Mixon. Miles Sanders, Gibson, Robinson, Josh Jacobs, Edwards Alaire, honestly. Um, that's deep. And yeah, that's, and again, I have, I have some of those same names on my just missed list. Uh, 
I put Robinson at 11. My biggest concern there is that what if Jacksonville brings in another running back in the draft? It, well, uh, I, I can tell you why I didn't include him in my top 10. And it's just because, not because he's not impressive, he is. Not because Jacksonville doesn't have to worry about a running back, because they don't. It's because I don't know what's going to happen at the quarterback position. I don't know what's going to happen at the coaching position. You just don't know what kind of shape they're going to be in. Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, I, I am mostly concerned about the about the coaching talk because James Robinson has succeeded with Gardner Minshew, Jake Luton, and now Mike Glennon at quarterback. He's looking like a stud with those three guys there. You can, yeah. you can put anyone at quarterback there and they'll be fine. But again, if they have some sort of coaching philosophy change, that, that could affect things there. That's the thing that, that gets me the most, quite honestly. Uh, another guy that just missed my list for me, I, I, I put him at 12, Jonathan Taylor. If Frank oh, yeah. Reich wasn't Jonathan's Taylor coach, he'd be like number six on my list. But it's Frank Reich. He comes from the Andy Reid, uh, Doug Peterson coaching tree. They need to use three or four running backs despite the talent level of the running backs they have. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned Clyde Edwards-Alaire, obviously big offense. No one really need to run the ball there. Josh Jacobs, who has kind of be, basically become a one-dimensional back there in the last year. Uh, we're watching the 49ers and Buffalo right now, a guy like Raheem Mostert. Yeah. A guy who could be a stud if he could, A, stay on the field, and if we didn't have young Shanahan picking and choosing which running back he wants to use each week. <laughs> Uh, not to mention rookie backs like Cam Akers, who is starting to break off into the scene, and DeAndre Swift, who has also started to break onto the scene. And look, let's just be honest. That's what pushes these guys outside of the top 10, top 12, is that there's question marks. And you didn't even mention Miles Sanders. Yeah, and again, that's where next season, I mean, obviously this season was really convoluted, but I think this gives a lot of cadence to zero running back for next year. And I'm going to tell you that that's where, if I can get two young running backs, it's hard to build around running backs. I'm sorry, I'm old school, I guess. If you're drop, drafting in the top three spots, I think you can come out of this with a CMC, a Cook, or a Henry, and then pair one of those types of guys with them, a Mixon or a Sanders or a Jacobs or even a CEH. Look, Edwards Hilaire has not been a flop this year. Where his upside, where the he's hit, he's been cake, no icing, right? He, yeah. The icing that we're missing from him are the receptions. That was what I loved about him. I thought he was going to be that Brian Westbrook light type guy, but that just that part of the offense hasn't clicked with them yet. He hasn't gotten four or five, six receptions a game, and that's what limits his upside. But doesn't mean it's not there going forward. <clears throat> yeah, and again, right now he's losing touches. Well, he lost touches this week because of the illness. Yeah. But he, he's, the touches he's lost have been to Le'Veon Bell and Daryl Williams. Uh, at least in the case of Daryl Williams, it's been more due to the fact that he's a great, I mean, you know, elite pass-blocking running back. And in the case of Le'Veon Bell, it's that he is, at this point in his career, a better pass catcher. And reliable. He's a reliable and More player. reliable one, yeah. Uh, next season, obviously, the uh, elephant in the room is what happens with the return of Damian Williams there. Yeah. Uh, we but, don't know what's going to happen there yet. <laughs> but anyway, that's what that is. Um, yeah, we matched on, I think it was seven in the same exact spot, which is crazy to think and about. And the only player in my top ten, I think, that you didn't have was Antonio Gibson. Correct. And I had Aaron Jones. That is yep. it. That's the only one that we didn't agree on. And Aaron Jones would have been in my top ten if he was under contract. Right. And I very easily almost put Mixon and Sanders and Gibson and, J and James Robinson in mine and then took the other guys out. So it, it's running backs deep. Um, yes, but very deep. But the reason to hoard those running backs, and I don't like to go zero running back because of this, is because they do go down. And, yeah, I, I get it. I understand zero running back. I'll always be zero quarterback. I won't always be zero running back. Um, I think wide receiver is just too deep to have to do that. Oh, totally. Wide receiver is always going to be my zero position. Right. So if you're going zero there and you're going zero quarterback, then you might as well hammer the running back position and maybe tight end. Yep. All right. Well, that does it with our two early top 10 at quarterback and running back. Next week, we will have wide receiver and tight end for you. And now we are going to finish our show with our trusty DFS segment where we will give you, of course, a pay up, a stay away, and a value play at all four of these skill positions. Harley, set the over under for us for DFS. 
Well, Vegas is a little uh, skittish after last week, so Vegas is putting the line at six. Six, six, six. Uh, I don't like the six. I'm taking the under. Okay. Watch us nail like nine. Well, I'm pretty sure we're going to nail at least two at tight ends. Uh, I figured that was a good starting point. <laughs> uh, now, see, that's what made me take the under. I think we're going <coughs> to nail one at tight end. I'm not sure about the other two. Ah, okay. Well, we're still starting with the quarterbacks here because yeah, we are. We like to, we like to get them out of the way right away because when you're building your lineup, you usually pick your quarterback and then build around that. Yes. So, tell everybody who you who you paying up for at the quarterback spot. So this was an interesting week at quarterback for me for paying up. I actually really kind of like everyone on the list. <laughs> I had a hard time choosing the guy I was going to stay away from ultimately at that position. Uh, as far as who I decided to pay up for. I just said, okay, you know what, I'm going to pay up for the highest-priced guy this week, and that's Russell Wilson. He's coming off a bad game, but he's back at home. He gets to face a uh, fun de- defense for the Jets that yeah. basically just gave up last week. So, <laughs> they've allowed the third-most passing yards, the fourth-most passing scores, plus they've allowed five quarterback rushing scores this year. Uh, Russell wilson he's been off for about four weeks now, and I think he's due to just have a complete just blow-up just rip the sheets to shreds and completely destroy the slate game. So we match, but I didn't think we were matching when you said the highest priced guy, because on DraftKings it's Mahomes, but on FanDuel it is Russell. Um, no, for all the reasons you said, I think this is a get right game for Russ and the passing attack. Uh, along with, I won't be shocked if he scores some with his legs, quite honestly. So yeah, I'm all in with Russ. Look, I don't dislike Patrick's matchup this week. I just don't love it. Mm-hmm. It's middling. I, I just don't love it. So I, I'll pay up for Russ, and we got a match there. Unlike you, I had a clear guy that I thought was of the top quarterbacks, the one I was going to stay away from. So I'll be interested to see if we get a match here. Well, again, I, I was looking at the quarterbacks, and yeah, I thought about, you know, there's there's some question marks with Deshaun Watson, but like we talked about, he's able to do everything against anyone with anything right now. I mean, he looked good last week against Indianapolis. Uh, Mahomes, like I said, not the greatest matchup. Miami's got some good cornerbacks, but they still give a lot of passing yards. Uh, I, I kind of went down the list. I'm like, yeah, don't mind him. Don't mind him. I like him. I like him. I like him. I settled on Kyler Murray. Uh, he's the fifth highest priced on DraftKings. And uh, much like Russell Wilson, I, something seems just a little bit off about Murray. It might be the shoulder. Uh, he's not carrying the ball nearly as much as he had been. He's facing a Giants defense that's actually quite good. Yeah. Uh, since week three, only two quarterbacks have thrown for more than one touchdown against the Giants. Uh, meanwhile, you know, I just mentioned Murray's rushing yards are down. His passing yards are down. He hasn't scored a rushing touchdown in the last three weeks, and that's always one of the things that makes him a really valuable player. So, yeah, don't, don't hate him, but I don't love him at that price. So maybe, maybe we get a half a match here. Um, because I have Watson and I have Murray both written down. I crossed off Murray because you know I always default to DraftKings, which is where Watson is priced higher than Murray. Mm-hmm. But on FanDuel, where Murray's priced higher, I absolutely don't play him over Watson. Yeah, and again, I think that Chicago is still right for the picking. Yeah, but <laughs> it's, it's also in Chicago. Granted, fans aren't an issue, but weather can be. Well, there's um, definitely an issue there. And that's, that all played into it when there were so many other good matchups on there, good to plus matchups or decent to plus matchups. That's why I decided to officially say Watson. But like I said, if I were doing it, I would say I'm staying away from Watson on DraftKings and Kyler on FanDuel. Okay, at value play this week. If we, uh, if we match here, if we match here, we may just have to drop the mic and, and cut the show off and quit and never come back. <laughs> uh, I'm starting a backup quarterback. Okay, that's my not. value play this week. We can continue uh, then. I look. I'm starting. One. I'm starting a backup quarterback in a revenge game. Okay. Against one of the worst defenses in the league, that's Andy Dalton going home to Cincinnati. Fifty-five hundred on DraftKings, sixty-eight hundred on FanDuel. With the weapons he has in his thing, I mean, they're just going to let Dalton throw the ball 75 times in this game. <laughs> so I wanted to like Dalton there. I don't, I just, I don't know. I have a feeling that that's like a 16 to 13 type game for some odd reason. Even, like, I don't know why, 
But my eye got pulled down and down and down. And I went, do I really want to say this? Nah. Crossed him out. Then I went to Matty Ice. And I'm like, no, I don't love Matty's matchup. You, you went with Mike Glennon, didn't you? I did not. I, I feel okay, even that dirt- would have felt dirty. That would have felt really dirty. I feel even dirtier than that. I went with <laughs> oh, Sam. No. I went with Sam Darnold. Oh, <laughs> Sam. You're not buying into the fact that Seattle's defense has improved since Jamal Adams. It it ha- up? So it has, but this is also <laughs> kind of like I expect Russ and company to really like. A 50-burger, 40-burger, 50-burger is not out of my mind. So yeah. I see a lot of garbage time for for Mims and Darnold and Perriman and, and stuff like that. So that's why. Oh, we, we absolutely agree on that statement, too. Like I said, I have Russell Wilson just absolutely blowing up. I mean, we're talking Wilson approaching 450 and 5 this game. Yeah. Uh, if that's going to happen – the Jets are going to have to throw the ball. Yep. They've obviously got passing game weapons to throw too. Uh, so, yes, I, I do like Sam Darnold a lot in this game, even though Seattle's defense, as I mentioned, is better than they were at the start of the year. They're still the absolute worst in terms of overall yardage allowed uh, passing game. So, again, if you if you go that cheap, and, again, don't feel dirty and play Mike Glennon. It's a great matchup, but I'm not that I, – I, I think you have to really be a sick degenerate – to, to concentrate on Mike Glenn as your quarterback. So there was one other stat. There's one other stat in that Jets-Raiders game that made me go, oh, I've got to play Darnold this week. Frank Gore only had one carry. Well, then he got hurt. I know, but still, he only had one carry. Well, speaking of which, uh, how, about, how about be, Ty Johnson? I'm trying to be funny. It didn't work. <laughs> trying to find a way to, to to bridge and hedge my Darnold pick. So maybe it's because I traded for Darnold a couple years ago in Dynasty. Yeah. Well, you know, if if if, uh, if he does too good, he might get benched. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah, well, we better bench him at the half because we don't want to hurt him. We need him for next week. Yeah. Uh, how about running back? I think running back should be a fun position this week. Yeah, um, I'm not going to be surprised if we match at two of the three. Value is always tough. Um, mm-hmm. When it came to running back, I thought that there was a clear guy that I'm willing to pay up for. And it is not Christian McCaffrey, and it is not Dalvin Cook, but it is Derrick Henry. So I had Derrick Henry written down, and then I crossed him out. Um, only because... I wanted to save a little bit of money here. So, yes, I like Derrick Henry. Wait a minute. I like James Robinson. It's a pay-up. It's a pay-up. You're not supposed to be saving money. Oh, I I know that. You're cheating. You'll you'll understand why when we get to my value play. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm saving only $1,100 on DraftKings and only $900 on FanDuel. So it's not like I'm saving a ton of money, but I'm still saving a little bit of money. And that's because these two backs are both in positions to blow up. I mean, Derrick Henry's facing Jacksonville. Jacksonville is not very good. But the guy that I'm choosing, Aaron Jones, is at Detroit. Detroit has allowed 23 running back touchdowns. The next closest team has only allowed 17. In their earlier meeting back in week two, Aaron Jones had a combined total of 236 yards from scrimmage and three touchdowns. I'll take half of that. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to make Derrick Henry your value play, aren't you? I thought about it. Trust me. I, I, that's not, it's not where I'm going, but I did, I did think about that. <laughs> All right. We're going to definitely match on our stay away, though, right? Yeah. I think we're both staying away from Delvin Cook. Yes. Uh, he's an elite back. There's no way around that. Tampa Bay is allowing only 89 total yards per game to opposing running backs. Since week three, the best performance against them by a lead back was Wayne Gallman. He posted 62 total yards and one touchdown. They've held guys like Alvin Kamara in check this season already. It they, they gave up a lot of points, actually, the first two weeks. It was very odd. And since then, they've just been absolutely elite against the position. Yeah. Delvin Cook is still Delvin Cook. But this game is going to be a pass-heavy game. Brady's going to be throwing the ball against the poor, beat-up secondary of the Vikings, which is improving. And that means that Kirk Cousins is going to have to throw the ball to keep up with Brady. 
Uh, Cook will get his certainly, but it's just not going to be ninety four hundred or ten thousand two hundred worth. Yeah, I mean he needs twenty seven plus to pay off, and I just think that's a stretch this week. Exactly. All right, so I'm just going to tell you who you're taking as your value play before I tell you who I'm taking. You're taking okay. you're taking Austin Eckler as your value play, aren't you? I, I thought about that too, but that is not the guy I'm taking. Okay, then go ahead. I won't tell mine yet. Go ahead. And <laughs> give give us your roundabout cheating value play that you're taking. Well, so again, I'm saving a little bit of money at, at taking Aaron Jones, so I can afford to take a true value play here. I'm, ta- I'm talking about the guy who is the 12th highest priced on DraftKings and the 16th highest priced on FanDuel, so he's down the list a little ways. He's facing a Houston team that has allowed a league-worst 186 total yards per game to opposing running backs. Over the last two weeks, my guy David Montgomery has the Fourth most total yards from scrimmage among running backs. So he is my value play at 6500 and only $100 more on FanDuel, making him even more of a value on FanDuel than he is on DraftKings. And because I'm paying less for Jones than I paid for Henry, I can squeeze both those guys in there at a reasonable price. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a ruling here. Hold on a second. Yes, we're going to allow that. It's a it's a sly play because as much as I love David Montgomery, his sixty five hundred dollar price tag would not make it to the value play range for me because I did pay up for Derrick Henry. So because of that, maybe this would have helped. I considered two guys here, and I wound up going with the much cheaper option. Um, Melvin Gordon looked pretty daggone good last night in that game against the Chiefs. And I gave him some serious consideration against the Carolina team that we know gives up many a point to the running back position. But yes. I decided to save even more money. And instead of paying, what was he? Let's see, 5200 Yep. I decided to go 4300 5800 The 5800 on Fandle is not as big a deal. Um, but I decided to run with Philip Lindsay instead as my value play. Nothing wrong with that. We've talked uh, ad infinitum for the last season and a half about how bad Carolina is against opposing backs. Uh, I'm really surprised they didn't improve their defense against running backs this offseason. They didn't. I mean, you look at teams. Uh, what was Arizona's big issue last year? They couldn't cover tight ends. So what did they do? They used a high draft pick to get a guy who was a hybrid safety linebacker to cover tight ends. And suddenly they're much, much better against the position. Carolina... They were arguably the worst team in a decade against the running back position in the last two years. What did they do? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, they did get Chin, and, and Chin's looked good. So that is true. But he's been more of a pass covering guy than a in the box guy. Yeah. All right. So let's see. We've got two matches through two positions, right? Yes. Two point five. If you want to do something with the stay away, but we'll call it two. Um, who are you going to pay up for at the wide receiver position? I am going, again, up near the top. I believe he is at the top, and that's Devontae Adams, 9,300 and 9,600. Despite facing three extremely talented pass defenses, Devontae Adams managed to net two 100-plus yard performances and four touchdowns. He also has an incredible 11 touchdowns over the last seven weeks, scoring at least once in every single game during that stretch. Detroit, they've only allowed 10 wide receiver scores all season, but they have given up the fourth most yards to the position. Uh, they don't have Darius Slay there anymore to, show, to slow down Adams, not like he did much against him last week in the game before coming down with the quote-unquote knee injury. <laughs> uh, Devontae Adams uh, should still eat absolutely big time, 9,300, I don't care. So I like the running back position at the top so much that I decided to save a little bit here at wide receiver for my payup. I do like Devontae Adams a lot. I did not write his name down, but he was in my head, and I crossed him out before I had a chance to write him down and cross him out. Tyreek Hill, monster. But I don't love the matchup. I just I don't. DK Metcalf, love that matchup, right? But here's the problem. Here's the problem. <laughs> is it a run the ball? <laughs> is it right? And is it a Tyler Lockett, 14 catch, 195 yard, three touchdown week? You never know. Um, but Keenan Allen, 
I think we see a massive bounce back for Allen and the rookie um, this week against an Atlanta defense that you really shouldn't call a defense. Yeah, I, I did give a lot of thought to Keenan Allen there too. Uh, again, if I had spent more at running back, I probably would have gone with Keenan Allen. <laughs> but again, much like running back and quarterback this week, there's a lot of good plays this week at, at the top end of the wide receiver's position. Uh, Justin Jefferson, again, we, I mentioned Minnesota is going to have to throw the ball in that game. He's past Adam Thielen as the top receiver for the white, uh, for the Vikings right now. Kelvin Ridley going back in that same game. If you're going to play Keenan Allen, you might as well counter back with Kelvin Ridley facing a Chargers defense that's not that great against the pass either. Uh, you've got A.J. Brown facing Jacksonville. Much like with D.K. Metcalf, it's a yeah. great matchup, but how much are they going to run the ball versus how much are they going to pass the ball? Yep. So lots of options up top there. Uh, I decided to stay away from the one guy who I think could have a decent game, yep. but considering his price tag is just a little too high, and he is facing a defense that's got some good cornerbacks, and that's Tyree Kill at Miami. <clears throat> Going into Week 12, Xavier Howard had allowed three touchdowns in his coverage all season. They haven't updated the numbers for this past week yet, uh, but obviously he left the game early, and I don't think he was responsible for the Tyler Boyd touchdown. But it, Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, all season, that's three touchdowns allowed. But what's more impressive from Xavier Howard, he's allowed a passer rating against of 43.0. And we're talking Nathan Peterman range passer rating there. Yeah, so I told you, I don't love that matchup, right? But he's not my stay away. And there's a couple reasons he's not my stay away. There's also a couple reasons why I didn't want to pay up for him. Um, one, the reason is what you just said about Xavier Howard. Two, the reason is Howard got tossed from this last game, right? Yeah. And wouldn't be hard for him. Not, to, not really deservingly so. <laughs> but, but it wouldn't be hard for him to get under the skin of a Tyreek Hill and possibly make something like that happen too, right? Um, oh, Totally. The other reason I'm not staying away from him, though, is the Chiefs' offense did look sputterish this past week, and I think that they just they go ham this week um, to make sure that Tyreek gets his and Travis gets his. Actually, Kelsey's probably the one guy I'm a little more worried about than anybody. Um, but, yeah, I think that this week you see a much bigger week from, from Hill and Mahomes. But the risk is there, so that's why I didn't pay up for him. That's also why I'm not staying away from him. I decided to stay away from DeAndre Hopkins. Which you're staying away from his quarterback, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I, I kind of looked at that one, and I was just thinking to myself: Is will James Bradbury follow him? I think he will. I think, I think he if will. he does, I, I I totally agree with that. If he doesn't, then Hopkins plays enough of his snaps out of the inside. Yep. That that could keep him in play, and again, he had a tougher matchup this week too, and he actually did pretty good in it. So. Yeah, and I mean, I looked at, I know you, you gave a reason to play Calvin Ridley. I looked at Calvin, excuse me, I looked at Calvin Ridley as a, possibly stay, a possible stay away also. Um, so there's that. But I mean, I also don't know that I've ever seen Julio Jones priced down so much either. Exactly. Well, I, I think there's zero chance we're going to match on our value play because I went way deep for my value play this week. We probably won't. Um, I went kind of deep. Let me see how much, let me see how deep I went. Did I go really, really deep? I went pretty deep. Probably not as deep as you, though. You're in the 3,000. Well, I, I, I wanted to go Robbie Anderson because we know he's going to score the touchdown now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not who I went with. Okay, who'd you go with? Um, I went with Colin Johnson versus Tennessee. <sighs> Tennessee just gave up 249 yards and three touchdowns to a bunch of ham and eggers for Cleveland with Baker Mayfield throwing the ball. Now, in particular, larger-bodied wide receivers have done a lot of damage against Tennessee this year. Juju Smith-Schuster, Ellen Robinson, Michael Pittman, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Stephon Diggs. All those guys are guys who are a couple inches or more above six feet. Colin Johnson, 6'6", very tall wide receiver, has led the Jaguars in targets and receiving yards since Mike Glennon took over. He leads the wide receiver group in receptions. Uh, the only player he's losing in the receptions to is the running back, Robinson. So Glennon obviously likes targeting him, and Tennessee has been really, really bad against wide receivers in general, but again, particularly the big-bodied, tall wide receivers. Can, can you see that right there that's crossed out? Can you see that? I do. I do. Who'd I cross out? <laughs> you crossed him out. <laughs> I did. I did. I went all in. I wanted to get completely dirty. I went with Mims as my value play. Um, but no, Colin John I had him there for a while. I went back 
and made that change while I was doing tight end. I thought about Mims. I also thought about Darnell Mooney and uh, Chicago going up against Houston in what should be a shootout there, too. Yeah. I was kind of burned a little bit, though, last week, mainly because all of the scores came thanks to the running back position there, although technically Cordero Patterson was listed as a wide receiver. He scored it on a run. But, uh, again, both Mooney and Anthony Miller make really nice, cheap uh, plays against Houston's defense. A lot of good values this week at wide receiver. You, you mentioned Mims. Yeah, uh, I like Brashad Perriman in that game as well. Yeah, uh, they gave a they gave a price correction to Jamison Crowder, pushed him up a little higher than I like, but he's always a touchdown threat now, always a PPR threat. Yes. T. Y. Hilton's getting into the end zone now, two weeks in a row. I don't know how we missed that one last week. I mean, T. Y. Hilton always goes ham against Houston. Yeah. How did we miss that? I don't know. <laughs> We did, though. We absolutely did. All right, so that was – man, that should have been a match. Should have been a match, yeah. but, you know, I can't – and, yes. Well, I, I, I have a feeling we're not going to match at, at our tight end payup then. Probably not, but maybe so. I don't know. Um, so just for what it's worth, Colin Johnson's had 14 targets over the last two weeks, eight catches for – let me see – 96 yards one week, 66 this past week, and one touchdown. So, eight four. What's that? 162 and one. That's not bad. Yep. Okay, I am going to tell you right now. I'm staying. No, I'm paying up. We're doing the pay up first, right? And that's where yes. you think we're not going to match. I'm going to actually pay up. And this was a challenge for me. Trust me, it was it's a process. And you won't understand it until we go later. I'm paying up for Travis Kelsey. Okay, we did match. Okay. I also paid up for Travis Kelsey. Uh, here's the thing. Miami is actually pretty good against tight ends. Yep. But Travis Kelsey is having one of the best seasons ever by a tight end. Plus, you know what? Miami, they've really not been tested that much by – they've only faced three above-average tight ends this season. George Kittle, Hunter Henry, and Noah Font. And all three of those guys did okay against them. Kelsey, right now, if you look at his price tag of – of 7,400 on DraftKings, he would be the eighth most expensive wide receiver on, on DraftKings on this slate. But realistically, he is second to only DK Metcalf among all offensive players in total receiving yards this season. And he only trails Metcalf by five receiving yards. So you're getting yep. high-end wide receiver for the price of the eighth highest receiver. And that still allows you to take a cheap wide receiver like Colin Johnson and plug him into your wide receiver three spot. Yep. So um, the reason I almost didn't pay up for him was what I hinted at earlier, where I think I could see the Chiefs try to press it to Cheetah and some of the outside wide receivers and just maybe it's not so big of a Kelsey day. But the well, other so day I was kind of confused is that Miami's got two elite outside cornerbacks. Right. Why aren't more teams going going up against them through the middle with their slot receivers and their tight ends? And like I said, then I looked at it and it's like they just really haven't faced any good tight ends. Right, exactly. So when it came to stay away, the first person I wrote down is who I wound up staying away from. But the second person I actually wrote down as my stay away was Kelsey. But then I had to cross him out because I just didn't feel that much. I, I didn't feel that passionate about it. it, it that, just, sounds very, that sounds very meta of you. <laughs> So the guy I'm staying away from is going to be hard for anybody to bench because everybody loves to chase points. But I, I'm staying away from Darren Waller this week. And we've got two matches at tight end, much like I thought we would. Uh, chasing points is never a wise thing to do. Only two teams have given up fewer tight end receiving yards than Indianapolis. And they've allowed a league low one tight end touchdown all season. Darren Waller is going to be a hugely popular play after his just blow-up game. Winning, I mean, he was a slate buster at tight end this week. It's just not going to happen this week. He's going to have a good game. Right. I'm putting him on maybe like six catches and 60 yards, which still might be like number two or number three among tight ends. Right. Because the tight end position sucks so badly this year. But that's not going to be good enough to pay $600 less than you're going to pay for Travis Kelsey. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's not that we're saying he's not a good play or that he's not a, not somebody you could play. Just the upside's not there. It's limited. Yeah. Three, three times a struggle. 
three times. Value I think two. Value. I think two times is a struggle this week. Yeah, it could it very well could be. Quite honestly, yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I don't know if there's a chance we're going to match at this uh, value play. I I almost pivoted my value play after watching the last game we just watched there to Logan Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he looked pretty good against Pittsburgh, who've been pretty good against tight ends all year. And I looked, well, Logan Thomas is facing San Francisco next week. And San Francisco's been pretty good against tight ends all season, too. But, again, I didn't go that way. I decided to stick with the guy that I had put there. Uh, one of the cheapest priced players on the slate at tight end. We're going to match. I'm, We're going I'm to gonna match. go with Will Disley versus <sighs> the New York Jets. <laughs> no, we don't match, but we're close. We you went with Jacob Hollister then. <laughs> I did not go with Jacob Hollister. No, I did uh, not. I uh, went so with a guy. To... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I went, I was, I'm sorry. I went with a guy, and, I'll, and then I'll let you talk because you'll probably talk about him too. I went with a guy because he's cheap. He's cheap, and there's some changing of the guard going on. <laughs> so I figure if I go this cheap at tight end, it helps me to get maybe some more running back in my in my lineup that I want, right? Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I went with Cole Komet. Yep. <laughs> I, I came very close to using Cole Komet. I, I looked at him. I looked at Jordan Aikens. I looked at James O'Shaughnessy. Yep. All three, I think, are going to be involved in their passing games this week. Cole Komet is definitely – I think he actually out-snapped he did. Jimmy Graham last week. He out-snapped uh, him. He out-route-run him, ran him, everything. At this point in their career, he's actually just physically a better talent. Yes. Uh, and you know, I had a hard time choosing even between Hollister and Disley. Uh, but here's the thing. When it comes to covering tight ends, the Jets have gone full 2019 Arizona Cardinals on them. <laughs> and you should never go full 2019 Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Will Disley, Jacob Hollister, they were both on the field for the exact same number of snaps last week. Uh, but Disley had one more target, one more reception, and eight more yards. So I guess he's probably the favorite. And again, if you think back to last season, Disley how, started last season yeah. very, very good. People probably forget uh, how so good he looked. He looked good he last looked, year. Yeah, and realistically, I mean, they had Greg Olson this year to kind of take over. Uh, they brought in Hollister. Disley was hurt for part of the season. Hasn't really been targeted a whole lot. Obviously, they don't have to when they can throw 85% of their passes to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But again... It's these sneaky, cheap plays. When you're looking at a team like the Jets, who just they've completely ignored the position now. Well, they've got nothing at linebacker that doesn't help them at all. And again, they got rid of their best defensive player in Adams too. Yep, no Adams, no Avery Williamson. Um, oh God, the guy they signed from Baltimore hasn't played for for him in two years, basically. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a nightmare there. All right, well, guess what? We matched on four. Uh, the under hits um, could have been closer, could have absolutely been closer, could have hit a push. I don't know that we hit the over if we tried, um, but there were two other matches on the board that could have happened, both at the stay away with Kyler and then also Colin Johnson, which really should have been a match. So, yeah, anyway, it is what it is. Um, look, sometimes you can't figure out what you want to do and you want to change your mind a million times. That's when you can turn to Twitter, and you can find Harley on Twitter, at Nuclear Harley. You can find me, at Steve Gallo NFL. And, of course, if you aren't a subscriber, you should subscribe to thehuddle.com because that's where you can find Harley's articles and a bunch of other articles and all the projections that I do. Um, That's if you play IDP. And if not, oh well. And listen, again, public service announcement. Make sure that you wear your masks and observe social distancing and don't be a jerk to people that are observing that kind of stuff and whatever just be good christmas is close it's almost here until then get blitz responsible cheers